the Koi Gig part. As I said before, it's about momentum and gaining fans and gaining the support. And I think the girls have done that. It's another massive step for women's football. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. You're welcome along on this Tuesday evening. We will look back on the football championship that was in the company of Mick Foley of the Sunday Times, Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner, Colin Keyes of the Irish Independent. They have attended more games than most, so they'll uh, reflect on the 2023 season. Daniel Whiffen is doing extraordinary things in a swimming pool at the moment. He finished fourth in not one but two world finals in Japan last week, so suddenly there's a real chance of a medal in Paris next year we'll talk to the 22 year old and a slight tangent on a streak of one whether you like it or not we're back to one we were at 10 in a row and now what are we Dublin (laughs) Michael McCarthy hello how are you Joe and Richie McCormack hello to you gents how are you you weren't in touch Richie to say you missed a slight tangent last week Uh, I know I noticed that the week that I was off the slight tangent doesn't happen the fact that, despite the fact that I am tangential to a slight tangent yeah. uh, it seems like my absence had an effect maybe just being able to tell you about the latest streak that we're on is half the appeal that's possibly it that's possibly it 5-3-1-0-6 <laughs> we, can get, we, we can, can get there again we can get there again off the wall. We, can't, we can't 10 weeks I have to say it's unlikely now that the summer's <laughs> over football show's back next week there's no chance there's no chance life finds a way yeah so Daniel Whiffen on the way this hour the world championships were on in Japan sort of just with everything going on there's a World Cup on there's GEA going on I don't think the world swimming championships really landed in this part of the world but it really is worth remarking on the fact that Daniel Whiffen at 22 years of age finished fourth in the 800 metres final and then finished fourth in the 1500 metres final this is the best of the best in the world and what's really extraordinary about the 800 metres final is that in finishing fourth Daniel Whiffen swam the fourth fastest time at 800 metres in history. Now, unfortunately for him, the three dudes in front swam the first, second and third fastest times in history. So he's straight in at number four. He is European record holder, given it was... Think about that. Like, he's uh, he's European record holder and, like, basically were record level. Like, you know what I mean? If he's in that... Tunisian an Australian and a US swimmer ahead of him so he's Euro- the first Irish male swimmer to have a European record mm. and uh, suddenly you know Paris coming around the corner he's very close to a medal that would be quite something so we're looking forward to speaking to him at uh, half seven or so I think it completely passed people by unfortunately yeah 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 yeah. Now I think it's, it's one of those stories as well then that like you know there was a bit of talk about him in Tokyo there's been a little bit more since he's had an unbelievable run in between the Olympics here he was obviously a teenager in, uh, in in the last Olympics, you know, um, but it's kind of you know a lot of, a lot of many years of hard work to become an overnight success. Yes, is the the Daniel Whiffen story? I think so. Interested to hear. Well, just by coincidence, and it was um, Will's idea outside to get him on. Gary O'Toole had texted me over the weekend. I'm sure he won't mind me saying, just to say, this guy Daniel Whiffen, he is the real real deal, and yeah. we should be thinking about Olympic final being a big day next year. So if Gary O'Toole says it, yeah, I'm we, we had a chat about him in the night you were off actually uh, last week, and it kind of the swimming circles kind of picked up on it because it is true that they don't get a lot of coverage. And look, I mean, we just had a brief conversation about it. There wasn't any more from us than anywhere else, but <coughs> it is an interesting thing because you had Mona McSharry finishing fifth in her final as well. She obviously made an Olympic final last time. She stepped up as well, you know. So there's there's like. It might be just two individuals, you know, or it might be uh, something that's, uh, you know, something 
more holistic that's happening in Irish swimming but it's kind of interesting like you know you're talking about we're going into the Olympics with like a real interest in the pool for the first time in a long time yeah and in Rashida Adeleke sprint yeah. athletics so, yeah you know, it's, 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 <laughs> so you get more glamour to forward it to Paris uh, be able to watch things at a normal time of day yeah yeah there you go uh, we should get on with the news round. So details, Richie, on the homecoming for the World Cup squad. Yeah, the homecoming event for the Republic of Ireland squad is to be held in the capital on Thursday. It'll take place in front of the GPO beginning from 6.30 in the evening. Vera Pau and her squad have already begun the journey home following their group stage exit. That's a long old flight home. Yeah, I'd hate to have to go to a party that I had to put on fake smiles for. <laughs> No, it won't be. <laughs> it won't be fixed, I'm joking, of course. After after our many conversations last night, no, I think I think it's I think it'll be good for them to be able to to um, kind of see that the the impact they've had. They're very far away over there, you know. So um, I think that'd be good. But yeah, it's a it's a draining out flight. Is the trip home from Australia, Joe? We had England in action today, Richie. Yeah, they're in fine fettle as well. Two goals and three assists from Lauren James saw England breeze into the last 16 at the World Cup. They beat China 6-1 to finish top of Group D and a second round date with Nigeria on Monday in Brisbane is their reward. Denmark's 2-0 win over Haiti saw them finish as group runners up. They'll play co-host Australia in the last 16. England head coach Serena Wiegman says James' enjoyment of the game today was infectious. Yeah, of course. But I think you could see it from the whole team uh, that we were enjoying ourselves. You could tell that we were really connected. Uh, the ball was um, going around and we had different ways to go in attack. Uh, and of course, uh, LJ was one of them. And um, when she scored the goals, uh, you could also tell that the whole team was enjoying that. Besides, that, the, of course, the whole team was enjoying every goal. Rich, we almost had this tournament blown wide open earlier this morning. We did indeed. Uh, Lauren James' performance, by the way, today was absolutely spectacular. But the hosts, uh, sorry, the holders were a post's width away from going out this morning. Portugal's Ana Capita struck the woodwork in injury time, but the USA managed to hold on for a goalless draw in Auckland and finished as Group E runners up. The Netherlands topped that group after a 7 0 demolition of Vietnam. Their last 16 opponents will be uh, made concrete in the next day or so. Not happy in America, by all accounts. You've uh, Carly Lloyd. They weren't good. Carly Lloyd apparently like calling them out on uh, Fox TV as one of the pundits. Um, so I think I think there's a little bit of unhappiness yeah, that I they're scraping through as opposed to I don't I don't know if they're genuine contenders for this tournament. I, did, uh, you know? I was on the New York Times website. I didn't go into any of the stories, but I did see like a litany of stories, and the headlines were all "This is terrible. What's happened? Our attack, etc." Yeah. So. They were very, very flat this morning, okay. like very flat. The Portugal chance, to be fair, was probably their only genuine one of the game. And it was three, four minutes into injury time out of seven. Um, America had most of the ball, uh, a lot of the attacking play, but just were so blunt, mm. like an un- a remarkably blunt compared to what we've seen in previous tournaments. And I guess age has a factor to do with it, because this is a team that has been on a roll for several years, if not the guts of a decade now. Um, so that's going to be in effect but like they, they, they weren't good and you, you compare that you contrast that with England's performance straight afterwards pretty much today like England and Lauren James were an absolute joy to watch granted China weren't good at all but England were still very very good in how they passed the ball and James' two finishes for her goals were sublime uh, By the way we had a bloody extraordinary number of emails into a slight tangent too many to read I read them all Yeah <laughs> um, 60 
since we've done one last just to kind of put a number on that's email that's a high word count it's 61 actually um, since the last time we were on actually I think one has come in this evening uh, already so let's say like that's in two weeks a lot of you know everybody's putting a little bit of thought into them and and putting they're not just like sending in a text to the show whatever so I actually think it's an extraordinary amount it's uh, yeah you know, we're, I mean, we're not touching most of them, lads. That's oh, God, no. it, but, you know. They're too long. 60 by that word count, Richie. I mean, that's a thesis. Not really. Once it goes that. over three sentences, it's too much. That's what I've learned from, uh, from writing stories. I did see uh, quite a few. I mean, we can put them into certain categories. Uh, I would say quite a few did catch uh, a talking point of the last couple of weeks, which is that there is something lacking in All-Ireland Final Day at the moment both at the ground with no curtain raiser and then somebody was saying even at home you know the coverage coming on super early because it's minor final time and even that in Irish that tradition and then you've got the Jubilee team out in front of actually thousands of people and not uh, tens of people and something's just gone awry and people are missing the Sevens tournament as well, which kind of added a sense of uh, yeah, festival still on, to the weekend. Have the same. One suggestion said, let's uh, stick on the Railway Cup, bring back the Railway Cup, and have that as the curtain raiser. Yeah, I didn't think that'd work. Do you not know? No, be a bit of that's track, an outside call. Jeez, you've got a lot of great players that could be playing. You just take away the two counties involved, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you don't think that could be fun? It's like almost having the Pro Bowl instead of the week before the Super Bowl having it the, on the day of the Super Bowl in the same venue I just wouldn't want it to be all like good crack and high fives between opposition like if you're telling me it would get, it would get a little bit Although nasty I described as exhibition hurling. yeah no, I, I, I have no interest in that we're, we're very against that <laughs> come kind of on thing, what about the Fenway 11s thing or whatever that exactly. was exactly none of that do you know what listening to Paul Murphy and James Gell after the uh, after the uh, after the hurling pod live a few weeks ago those hurling 11s account for an awful lot of stories that those lads have I bet but, they do <laughs> yeah, none the, of them the actual games include, I mean the actual games and stuff like that but anyway yeah we're, we're very I do find we're very anti-exhibition sport no, in this country I, I, no, I wouldn't I have no interest love it in America yeah no I get that I would want it to be like Conno- I, w- I want it to be Connock saying let's really stick it up to these Leinster lads now yeah well, why wouldn't they well I, I just feel the air of the game might be ah you're a, you're a here I'm here high five if it got too important though it would overshadow the, the match <laughs> like it would. I don't think so that was one suggestion anyway it's yeah. definitely a novel one because it's hard to think of what the curtain raiser should be but I, you do need something to get the ground alive early yeah I don't know, you need to get into it. Yeah, that was the first. I wasn't at the football final, but the hurling final was the first time I was at a final since they got rid of the minor match. And it was weird. Mm. It just felt like going to another match mm. in some ways. Now, it, obviously, after the game, it doesn't. But in the build up, absolutely. Rich, we had Paul O'Connell giving a press conference today. Yeah, he believes Jonathan Sexton will be concerned by not being able to play in any of Ireland's World Cup warm-ups. The captain suspended, of course, on account of his actions that followed May's Heineken Champions Cup final. Sexton aside, there is a full squad from which to choose for Saturday's visit of Italy to the Aviva. And forwards coach O'Connell is confident Sexton can hit the ground running in France. I think the way we train suits the scenario he's in and I think it's a strength of his to be able to come back as well having been out you know you meet Johnny uh, on a Monday or Tuesday and he, you know he can talk about any match that was on TV uh, I don't know how he gets away with it he seems to watch an awful lot of rugby he thinks a lot about rugby so I think that kind of helps him hit the ground running when he comes back so um you know, it's certainly, I'd say it's a worry for him, you know, uh, he wants to to finish playing really, really well. And I'd say he, he'd love to have a few more games under his belt. But, um, 
it is what it is and uh, uh, and as I said it's a silver lining for our squad uh, it allows some guys to take ownership so um, it's not something I'm worried about No I wouldn't be really because he's such a track record of doing it and the group stages are ample time to really get into gear for the most important game but it's not ideal Colm on YouTube wonders does Tony Kelly or Connor Whelan really want to be the warm up act for Limerick or Kilkenny it's hard to know what buy-in you would get yeah, the defeated semi-finalists, I think, in particular, are going to struggle. But at the same time, if it's just a part of the calendar and it's just the way it is, and do you know what? I feel that we make more sometimes of guys like having to pick themselves up off the ground more. Like, I mean, Tony Kelly's played two rounds of the Clare Championship already. Yeah, do you know since uh, since Clare got knocked out? Like, you know, I, the, these that's what they He's do. Not a home in a black veil weeping. But if if you know your schedule and you know it's part of it, it's like, oh god, we didn't make the final. We'll have a couple of days out with the lads. We'll have whatever, and then it's like, right, what's next? Railway Cup is next. Yeah. Oh Jesus, I'll probably get that call now soon. Yeah. You know, and then Nicky English or whoever the manager is gives him a call. Right, I'm in that. That's 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 my next two weeks. Mm. I think I think we'd underestimate that. You know, or we overestimate. I think sometimes how kind of like. I don't know I, I don't know they'll just do kind of what the calendar sort of yeah, suggests yeah. in some ways you know? uh, lads I love seeing the English men's team any England men's team to be fair lose in spectacular fashion this England women's team though I found myself really cheering them on this morning explain that to me Peter I can't Peter you'll have to figure it out for yourself I'm not oh, too sure really. I don't get paid enough for that do you really think the players will want a homecoming lads they're professionals probably not happy with how things went I'm just not sure what it serves Gloria in Athlone I think yes. they will on balance yeah, yeah. Look, at, yeah. look at Louise Quinn's tweet today about being just delighted that they got to represent their country at a World Cup for them to have that mirror back at them from whoever turns up with the GPO on, on Thursday evening yeah. will be absolutely immense for them like they've watched like they're old enough to say it's probably not to remember the 1990 but they've seen shots of that they've seen the shots of the Phoenix Park in 94 and then 2002 with the homecoming that was for those players like they've seen homecomings before and they want to have their own and they're yeah. entitled they're fully entitled to it as well to be honest I was at the O2 homecoming it's the first time I drank whiskey <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> fair enough. Um, my main, my Phoenix main, Park. Yeah, Phoenix yeah. Park. It was a bit lacking. It's too wide a space. There was no atmosphere in the Phoenix Park. Like it needs to be city centre. Phoenix Park. It was just, you know, like the concerts and those kind of places. Yeah. I remember Joe Duffy interviewing Duffer. My main memory, as he said, and of course, a couple of Spanish players came down with DDD. Yeah. Damien Duff disease. Damien Duff dizziness. Dizziness. <laughs> <laughs> disease listen without a few drinks without a few drinks without a few whiskeys for the worst time ever. tell us I more know, yeah. the homecoming thing we need to be so careful with expectations sporting expectations in this country because we're I just I feel like we're just swarmed by British media and like England teams in all sports are obviously going to have different expectations that we do and it's like we feel like as if there's this sort of sort of like Commodionly attitude towards celebrating what people will describe as failure or whatever the success for this team was reaching the first ever tournament mm. and going to the World Cup and playing well and not disgracing themselves Grand they didn't get out of the group but we weren't expecting them to we have to understand that you know it can't be just like we can only celebrate when we like massively over overachieve yeah I, I understand the Olympic champions Canada maybe not having a big homecoming but Ireland yes. are in a very different place 100% yeah uh, Dublin jersey numbers lads Fitzsimons 3 Cluxton 1 McCarthy 5 
total equals nine nine times anonymous I'll be honest you're about 48 hours late to this party if you're texting that in on Tuesday (laughs) (laughs) I mean you couldn't go left or right on Twitter but for that one oh I only saw it once there Ah, today so everywhere on Sunday but listen we appreciate the text in fairness we appreciate it Um, what's the conclusion it was written in the stars yeah it's not as if they all changed their number (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, my reaction when I first thought was oh yeah move on (laughs) You don't like that kind of thing in general, though. No, but look, that's a strange thing to say. I just don't think you're. I just don't think you're. You're not blown away by like coincidences or like you don't. You don't read things into. Uh, but like what adult? Neurology. What adult went? Whoa! And had their mind blown by that? Well, not I, unfortunately. Richie, I'm not saying I'd be above it though. <laughs> yeah, like fair enough. I guess it's probably one of those. Annoyingly, now it's one of those things I'll always remember. <laughs> Uh, Richie, we have interesting news. Uh, Andrew Omobamadeli could have been headed for Milan. He could still be, yeah. Norwich have reportedly rejected a bid from AC Milan for the Republic of Ireland defender Andrew Omobamadeli. Milan offered £7.5 million for the 21-year-old, but Norwich wants double that. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland, meanwhile, has arrived in Manchester for the first part of his Manchester United medical. The Danish striker poised to make a €75 million Euro move from Atalanta. Chelsea, meanwhile, have completed the signing of Ren midfielder Leslie Ogachuku. The 19-year-old has signed a seven-year contract at Stamford Bridge. Liverpool, meanwhile, have another midfield vacancy to fill following the sale last night of Fabinho the Brazilian midfielder has joined Al Itihad pardon me in Saudi Arabia on a three year contract it's believed they've paid Liverpool 47 million euro for the 29 year old despite selling both Fabinho and Jordan Henderson to Saudi clubs in this window Jurgen Klopp has concerns over the Gulf states bargaining power I don't know, but in the moment it looks as, as quite influenced. It's massive in the moment. Um, I think um, pretty much the worst thing is that the, the transfer window in Saudi Arabia is three weeks longer open. If I'm right, I heard something like that then, at least in Europe. Um, that's not helpful. So there must be, UEFA, FIFA must find solutions for that. Um, but in the end, I don't know in this moment what exactly will happen. It is already influential for us, for sure. Um, but we will have to learn to deal with it, and that's what we do. She's a ransacking Liverpool. 29. Fabinho only 29. I can understand Jordan Henderson at 33 saying, well, my best days are run here. Yeah. 29 is a real, I'm cashing in early. I think the evidence of people's eyes would suggest that Fabinho's best days are behind Which him is as well. I, I, think, a, I think it's a good call. I, I think Fabinho should say, I'm 29, I'm going to have the pre-season of my life, I'm going to show everybody. Like, I don't, sometimes I don't when, it's, when a 23-year-old is a bad season, they're a bad season. 29-year-old is a bad season, they're written off. I think he could, I, I, I have no doubt he's not finished. Fair enough. Well, he might be now because he's gone over oh, to... Oh, he's, he's retired now. League, like, yeah, yeah. It's his pension. Uh, I find it interesting, though, that Klopp is kind of talking about a negative there. I... I, I I don't know if they would have wanted to lose Henderson, but it's not. They needed a full, a big rebuild here, and they're doing it all in one area of the pitch, which is very interesting. But that midfield was the problem, and they weren't going to go anywhere with Fabinho and Henderson. Fair enough. And the backups being Naby Keita, Oxlade Chamberlain, and I'm missing someone else or someone else gone as well. Mm. Um, from there, and I think that they've done very, very well to have willing buyers for like. 30 million or whatever it True. is for Fabinho yeah. at this stage I didn't think they I, I, I didn't think they got million. enough 50 million for 50 sorry as well Fabinho. sorry 29 to, yeah, yeah. Um, and they didn't probably get enough for Henderson in the end I feel like they could have drove a harder bargain there suddenly Trent is thinking well I'm midfielder now I know 
Will Galway hurlers represent Connacht or Leinster? I think for the hurling, you nearly have to go with Leinster versus Munster, don't you? Um, Just over and you, over again. Then you get some like, yeah. you know, you get some Antrim guys in and stuff like that. Give big days out in Crow Park. There's loads of good things to this. Yeah, it's Leinster Munster. I'm right. robbing Will's points from tangent later, but I suppose we've done the railway <laughs> cup bit now. Oh, it's done now. I'm not yeah. reading that email again. <laughs> Uh, hi guys, I really do believe that the FAI should have given Vera Pau a contract before this tournament as without a contract it makes her look weak as a manager and dulls confidence from the team. Please discuss Bernard in Limerick. I suppose to be fair, my thought on that Bernard is there are two sides to it. You can certainly give the contract first if you're a, you believe in the manager as much as the FAI up until about three weeks ago seemed to and you do make the manager a very strong figure then and they've total control of the World Cup and the future is settled beyond. Uh, traditionally, there's been a wariness in doing that because if things blow up badly at a World Cup, then suddenly you're stuck with a manager that nobody wants. There are merits and arguments for and against both of those avenues. What's been really strange about this situation is the FAI have done the worst of both worlds in that they very publicly opened negotiations with Vera Pau and Kieran Medler was representing her and she was talking about it constantly that co- negotiations are underway and things are progressing and then suddenly the handbrake was pulled. Now that's a disaster. That's yeah. that's just, the, I mean, if there's a worst way of doing it, that's it. So mm. whether they should have given her the contract or held off, I could see the merits in both but make the decision very clearly well in advance and then just do it. Don't wait halfway out and then decide, well, we're not sure anymore because that's just created a really strange dynamic. Yeah. We don't know what's gone behind, on behind the scenes either. Like, I mean, we talked yesterday about the number of players who have kind of like dodged the question of asking whether their manager should, should stay on or not. So that's one thing. But like in terms of like giving the contract beforehand, like I was in Lansdowne Road when Mick McCarthy, when Mick McCarthy's last game when Ireland lost to Switzerland having already been beaten in Russia and the whole post Saipan thing you know just got very very toxic and like it was a horrible night it was a horrible night like the things people were chanting there was you left Lansdowne Road that night knowing that Mick McCarthy wasn't going to be Ireland manager anymore there was no way back from it and there was a whole new, you know what I mean that was yeah. something that like we don't know what's going to happen at a tournament as you say you need to kind of see what happens and assess then I think you're probably in a better position look you risk losing people that way absolutely mm. but I don't know I'd be wary of it anyway as a matter of interest do you think if the FAI had not given Mick a contract pre-World Cup and then Saipan everything happened as it did do you think they would have offered him a new contract after that World no. Cup? No I, Well I don't know I mean I think in the immediate aftermath there was probably a bit of euphoria and so on but I think as the summer went on and as the new season started it felt a little bit like things were just turning and regardless of whether you were Team Roy or Team Mick yeah. I think the fact that it had been allowed to happen and it got so bad I think meant you know one, I think most people wanted Roy Keane to come back and play for Ireland. He was still one of the best players in the world. But that was, like, that was the problem. That and was he wasn't going to do it when Mick was there. Yeah. Like, so, as soon, yeah. But as soon as we lost to Russia, it was just toxic then. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, wasn't it around that time, Sunderland United, McAteer, put yeah. that in your book? Oh, it was Sorry, great stuff all the same. Oh, the drama was unbelievable, <laughs> it was yeah. Great stuff. We weren't going to those Euros anyway, so like, yeah. you know, we may as well enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, we're staying with football, Richie. 
Uh, yeah, speaking of Saudi, they've just uh, wrapped up a deal, Al Nasser, that is, for Sadio Mane from Bayern Munich. So he's uh, now a teammate of Cristiano Ronaldo. And Sheffield United's preparations for the new season have taken a blow with Iliman Indaye leaving the Bramalane club to join Marseille. Uh, Roshi Nirin is going to be in lane three for tonight's final of the 100-metre breaststroke at the Paris Swimming World Championships. The Limerick swimmer already has a silver from yesterday's 100-metre butterfly. Gold or silver this week in Manchester secures qualification for next year's Paralympic Games in Paris that final in the pool at quarter past eight can I go back to Saudi for a minute and just on Klopp's points about it, how much of a danger it is almost are we like Sadio Mane is a huge name my god like but at the same time I don't think English Champions League teams are necessarily in the market for anyone that's gone Mane is probably the closest is he like is Klopp going to lose out on targets or is like one of his big players that he doesn't want to lose going to go to Saudi Arabia I think until there, that happens, I'm not going to be concerned. But There's probably an issue in terms of the price curve. While they're not targets per se for um, for Premier League clubs, you could say, well, Fabinho is worth €47 million. Euro. What is X worth compared to that? Like you saw Thomas Frank using that as regards trying to price David Rea out of the market during the week. And like we've spoken before about Newcastle and their sponsorship deals and Manchester City and their sponsorship deals and what are their market values. When you have the public investment fund propping up four Saudi clubs. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah. What, what, what is the arrangement there in how they come to value a player? When you see the amount of money that they paid for like Ruben Neves, who had a year left in his contract, like Bulls weren't getting anywhere close to what they got for Ruben Neves from any other club, but from a Saudi one. So they're, how they're arriving at their market values is... I, God knows what goes into that, Mats. And secondly, they're skewing the prices for the rest of the, the European market. But again, there's a point like about, you know, players gone to Saudi Arabia and I think John Bruin made it last night uh, online if clubs and if players and if people have such an issue with players going to Saudi Arabia why do they accept the clubs taking the money so readily hmm. uh, clock coming against us two golf stories to finish with yeah, Tiger Woods has joined the PGA Tour's policy board. The 15-time major winner is the sixth player to join the board and follows in the footsteps of Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantley, Charlie Hoffman, Peter Malnati and Webb Simpson. Woods' appointment means players now outnumber independent directors on that board. And Royal County Down is to host the Horizon Irish Open next year. It'll be the first time the course has had the honour since Soren Kjelsen beat Bernd Wiesberger and Eddie Pepperell in a playoff in 2015. The Open hasn't been played in the six counties since Galgorham Castle had hosting duties during the COVID year of 2020. This year's event gets underway on September 7th at the K Club. Now that is a golf course. Did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Outrageous. Hard. Yeah. But just spectacular. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, you definitely, I mean, that, to be fair, that was the year Rory called in a lot of favours to get a, an exceptional field over for an Irish mm. Open and then I think he spent a lot of the rest of the year paying those guys back by turning up at their days and gave up <laughs> his own time but Royal County Down is so storied internationally that you stand a great chance of getting just one or two Extra extras guys. that yeah, you might yeah. otherwise because it's that good you know Yeah. so it's great we're out of time Richie thank you nice and that's Mate McCarthy thank you very Cheers. much